<clears throat> all right, it's time for. Oh, I said all right instead of okay. What's happening? <laughs> I'm. <laughs> You're being led. Oh, but jumbled here. Yeah. I'm being led. <laughs> okay. Welcome back to the Modern Lady Podcast. You're listening to episode 72. Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Lindsay. And today we are talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The current state of the world in any age can tempt a soul to weariness and a feeling of helplessness. We are spurred onward by our Christian faith to go and be a light in the world, but we're not called to do so without the proper tools and defense. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are more than just poetic words on a Sunday school bulletin board. They are powerful aids stirred within us for times such as these. But first, if you enjoy this episode of the Modern Lady Podcast, please take a minute to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. Your review can help the Modern Lady stand out so that others may find us too. Your comments mean the world to us. This week's shout out goes to Trina Kriya Olive, our first Australian reviewer, who commented on iTunes, quote, I love listening to this podcast to get my fix of etiquette, history, and edutainment. I'm a 27-year-old Australian gal, and the show came into my life at the perfect time because we recently bought a beautiful home, and it has helped me set up some great household habits and develop stewardship for our belongings and sanctuary. I also love how the podcast promotes reading. I relished reading Gone with the Wind on my holidays, so thanks for the recommendation. Would love to know what book list you're following. End quote. Well, thank you so much, Trina, for your review. We were so excited to learn we've connected with our Australian listeners, and edutainment is our new favorite way to describe the podcast. And if you would like to leave us a comment, you can do so on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com, or you can leave us a comment on Facebook or Instagram, where you can find us at The Modern Lady Podcast. But before we get into today's chat, Lindsay has our Modern Lady Tip of the Week. Have you ever been caught in a conversation that just needs to end, but you're unsure of how to end it? Here are some tips from Moreg Barrett, author of the book, Cultivate, The Power of Winning Relationships. And these should help you politely disengage from a conversation that you are ready to move on from. As is often the case, sometimes being direct is the easiest and best approach. You could end with a handshake, well, you could have before COVID, and say simply, it's been great talking with you and thank you for sharing your experience. Enjoy the rest of your evening. I love this approach and especially appreciate the words, thank you for sharing your experience. There are many reasons to love having kids, but one of the best is having kids allows you to make excuses. (laughs) I'm just kind of kidding, but you can justify leaving a conversation in order to phone home to check on the kids. And this even works if you're in the same room as your kids. You can excuse yourself to go over to see if the kids need anything. Another suggestion would be to ask the person that you are talking with if there's anyone else present that they think you should meet. And on the flip side, you could direct the person to someone else that you think they should meet. You can also excuse yourself to the restroom, and you do this politely by asking directions to the restroom. Be sure to actually head there and not directly to the bar, even if you don't need the restroom. And finally, it always works to suggest another time to meet up to continue the conversation. This can be accomplished by asking when you will next see them, asking for their card or presenting yours, or you can ask how you can connect with them on social media. 
This way you aren't just ending the conversation then and there. You are suggesting another conversation in the future, which gives you a polite out so that you can continue on to visit with other people that evening. I love these tips. Do you know, on the one hand, I grew up in a rather large extended family. Mm -hmm. And so I always thought it was kind of funny the way you leave a conversation in a really big group of people at least for me, is um, if there's several people talking, you just leave. (laughs) (laughs) You just walk away and you join the next group and everyone, yeah, it just, it's pretty smooth that way. Mm -hmm. But yes, when you're like one-on-one, I actually, I really like the direct approach too. Mm -hmm. And as someone delivering the direct approach, I always feel, I always worry that it's rude. Yeah. But having been on the receiving end of it, I can't think of a time when someone has said, oh, you know what? It's been great talking to you. Um, Thank you so much. And uh, maybe we can catch up another time. I always think, oh, yeah, no, sure. No problem. Yeah. So I I like like that, too. In the midst of so many voices trying to be heard, we were reminded a couple of weeks ago on the Feast of Pentecost that there is one voice that we should always be attuned to, and that the word is where we should always turn first. Right, Lindsay? That's right, Michelle. While I was reviewing the gifts of the Holy Spirit for my kids, I realized that I was in fact the one that needed this refresher course, because each of these gifts are things that I need to draw on right now. We've always said on this podcast that when the world is falling apart, you need to go home and work on yourself first. And like you said in your opening, Michelle, we have been given this power that is just waiting for us to tap into. Now, a lot of this information is still new to me. I, as I've said before, was very poorly catechized. But you, Michelle, you've taught confirmation prep over the years. So this is something that you are a little more familiar with. Yeah. And I have to be honest with you, I really only started learning so much about the the gifts and the fruits of the Holy Spirit and the sacrament of confirmation uh, when I began to teach it mm-hmm. <laughs> like three years ago. Right. So um, the one thing that really struck struck me and that I tried to convey to the candidates at the very beginning of our years together is, you know, you're you're going to be asking for these gifts on your confirmation day. it's probably a good idea to know exactly what you're asking for, (laughs) (laughs) what you're getting yourself into. We're all about informed consent these days, right? Well, (laughs) that goes for the faith too. You should be informed. And so, you know, like all gift givers, uh, good gift givers anyways, God doesn't force gifts on us. We have to ask for them. And so we should learn about them and, and then we should ask. I also think, and I also tell them too, although this dates me immediately as soon as I say this, but whenever I think about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and being given these gifts to be able to live life well according to God's will, I think about the video game The Legend of Zelda (laughs) from the 1980s. And the kids are like, what? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it's like an old man at the very beginning of the game gives the main player Link a sword and he says, it's dangerous to go alone. Take this. Right. Yeah. And so that's what I think about when I think about receiving these gifts of the Holy Spirit is God just saying it's dangerous to go alone here. Take these. (laughs) Yes. And I've heard these referred to as the crown jewels. Right. We're actually given Mm. quite a few things by merit of our baptism um, and at different times of our faith journey, you know, and as we believe sacramentally as Catholics. Um, But that these that these gifts from the Holy Spirit are the crown jewels of all of the gifts that we would receive. And you're right. We have to ask for them and our Mm -hmm. cooperation puts them into action like it stirs them up. 
You and I have been talking a lot about the early Christians. Again, referring back again and again to the movie we watched on Netflix. <laughs> Paul, Apostle of Christ. If you haven't watched it yet, you must. Because their simplicity of life, like just their very mm-hmm. um, basic way that they were being charitable to everybody and having to face the most horrific things just really struck you and I, right? And what I was learning when I was researching these gifts is that there were extraordinary gifts that were given by God to the earliest apostles. And these were the things, we hear these stories as we study the lives of the saints or the martyrology, um, you know, Mm -hmm. those who were made martyrs in the early church, and that some of them were able to have a supernatural sense of when there was poison in a cup, or they were able to withstand fires if they were being set on fire or some of them when they were put in amongst the lions the lions wouldn't attack them we believe as catholics that the that there were these gifts that were given to the earliest christians to help them spread the message of the gospel to in order to gain salvation and sanctification for the world now mm-hmm. these gifts from the holy spirit though they were given to us for our own salvation and for our own sanctification So there's a slight difference there, but it's, you know, God, like a loving father is just always there waiting to bestow anything on us that is going to help us reach perfection for the time that we are in and our time, although it seems very dark right now, and there is a lot going on and a lot of pain and brokenness, one only has to crack open any history book or the scriptures, right? As we said, going back to the Mm -hmm. word and see that it has never been, there's never been a time where we haven't had faced crisis or these life and death decisions, but God has been present through all of us. He's just waiting for us to say, Abba, Father, we need your help right now. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And you know what? These are our gifts. We call them gifts and we see them as that because we receive them from the benevolence of mm-hmm. a loving, good father. Um, but also too, like once they are in us, we have to, like you said, cooperate and mm-hmm. stir them up in us. And work them like a muscle so I loved that you talked about the saints and the martyrs and everything like that like those are the gifts of the Holy Spirit in like Olympic level (laughs) form you know what you know what I mean like those saints um had honed a, a an intimacy with the spirit to such a degree that those gifts uh, were explosive in the That's Christian right. world and in their witness. And and we are all uh, called to be saints of yeah. that ilk. And we were all given these gifts. So I think, uh, you know, all the time, but especially in times when we are uncertain and the world is a little bit on shaky ground, this could be a, a fantastic recourse, first recourse as Christians and as Catholics to rediscover that which has already been given to us and ask for a fulfilling of these and then burst out there onto the scene like the Kool-Aid man bursting out. (laughs) Love the Kool-Aid man. Yes. (laughs) That just came to you. That was divinely inspired. (laughs) The Holy Spirit put that put that in <laughs> oh my goodness yeah right yeah we get it we okay. i can picture it in my head now in those oh, moments yeah. where we need to be the kool-aid man yeah <laughs> we have moments in our lives where we as humans we reach for a point where it is impossible to actually handle something that there are going to be these moments in mm-hmm. our lives where it is humanly impossible to 
overcome it. And this is where we need supernatural help. So again, as Catholics, we believe that we have been given ordinary grace and that there are infused virtues that flow from sanctifying grace. I mean, these are all deep topics that we can get into maybe in a future podcast, but that these gifts from the Holy Spirit are over and above these. And Mm -hmm. when these were given at Pentecost, we want to draw you back actually to the Old Testament, because as we know, the New Testament is a fulfillment of the Old Testament. And there is something I learned today, Michelle, right? That is so cool. Um, That blows my mind. Every time I pick up that Bible, I know I always say the same thing where I'm like, this book is so good. Like, This like is a I'm really gone. good book. Yes, I, I say it like that out of this childlike amazement and wonder going, wow, why don't I always go here? But so yeah. the Tower of Babel, let's all go back there. And at the Tower mm-hmm. of Babel, the Babylonians were literally trying to build a tower towards heaven, but through their own human effort, right? They're like, okay, we're going to, yeah. we're going to make our way up to God. Well, God doesn't want us reaching him through our human effort. We need him. And so he sent down tongues that would therefore confuse the tongues, the language of the Babylonians, that they're all speaking where Babel, which is where we get the word babbling mm. from. Mm-hmm. So that their, um, so that their communication would be really disrupted, so that they couldn't continue these plans to build this this tower towards heaven, and that, and then therefore the destruction of the tower happened. But the flip side of this, the answer of this is Pentecost, where tongues of flame came down, and these tongues actually allowed everybody to be heard and understand within their own languages. And the language list is huge. If you right, if you do yeah. the reading and you read all of the <laughs> languages that were languages we've never yes. heard of, um. But this, again, this was now the Holy Spirit giving this gift of understanding to everybody so that they could reach heaven through Jesus Christ. And so Mm. it's not that we're blocked from reaching heaven. It's just that we want to understand that that is a supernatural thing. So we need supernatural help. I was listening to a homily by a priest about these gifts. And he said, we catch the breath of the holy gifts like seven sails trying to catch the wind on our boats so the Holy Ghost can power the ship, which moves a lot better than us trying to row a ship through the the seas ourselves. Mm, Oh my gosh. I love that analogy because Mm -hmm. you're right. Like we can muddle our way through a lot of things, right? Um, But we will do it nowhere near as well and never reach near what we're meant to reach without that divine wind filling our sails. I, right. I just really like that. And to know that, like, you talk about Pentecost and you think about the apostles up there in the upper room and they're scared and they're frightened and they don't know the next right thing to do. Mm-hmm. They don't know their next step. They fear for their, their lives. This is life or death right. <laughs> for them. And in that instant, in that moment, uh, it's given to them all the tools and resources they need to fill those sails and to really be emboldened to go out and do what God needs them to do. That's right. They help us do the right thing at the right time so Mm -hmm. that we can reach salvation. We can reach heaven so that we can become saints, right? And so like we keep saying, these gifts are different. The thing is we can't make use of them by our own merit, by our own work. So they help us to be more easily moved to be more in tune with what God is speaking to us, but God moves them. Like these really are different than some of the other graces and virtues that have been given to us. God moves these into us and then we can be more, we can more easily perceive 
what's going on around us at that time so that we can act in the right way. Mm-hmm. One more quote from one of the homilies I was listening to today says the pinnacle of perfection of the Christian soul are when the gifts of the Holy Ghost are brought into play. So yeah, Michelle, what are the gifts then? Let's, let's break it down. Let's do it. Okay. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) I I thought it and I'm so glad you did it. Okay. Uh, So yeah. Okay. Wisdom. We're going to start with wisdom. Mm -hmm. Um, This gift really empowers us to judge divine things or to judge our actions by divine standards rather right Mm -hmm. so it's like from heaven's perspective and uh, I think I might have said this in in another episode um, alluding to wisdom but one of my favorite videos to reference during confirmation class is a video by Bishop Barron and his word on fire ministry where he talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and he likens it to you know Imagine all of us just walking through the streets of a city and we're seeing the city from that perspective on the ground. Well, God's perspective, the perspective of wisdom is to see it from a bird's eye view. Mm. You're looking down on the whole thing. You can see uh, multiple things happening all at the same time. And that is kind of what we we talk about when we talk about wisdom it's like having the mind of christ it helps us to see goodness and sin more clearly so that we can live in a closer way to god now here's something interesting i love thinking about this and reflecting on it um the source of wisdom i've heard is actually in the intimacy with god so it's only made possible through a sacramental life of prayer and relationship with god that's how you get wisdom And I put it like this to the kids that I teach. It's almost like having a really good friend where you can finish each other's sentences because you just know one another so well. So be able to think in the mind of God and in the mind of Christ, you have to know him like a really good friend. And then that gift kind of becomes almost a second nature to you. And what I love about wisdom too, is it mentions the ability to judge situations. And you know, that meme that went around that most people read the Bible when it just says judge not, and then they blacked out all of the the rest of that passage because it's (laughs) just, I mean, we can't judge. It says it right there in the Bible. Um, (laughs) There are a couple of these gifts that mention the ability, the gift from the supernatural gift to be able to judge according to to divine truth, right? And Mm -hmm. so I think this is really, really important as we're each discerning every decision we have to make because we have to make judgment calls. We have to, it's part of life. But being Mm -hmm. able to employ God's wisdom, not our own human wisdom, but his wisdom, his divine truth to when we have to make a judgment in any kind of um, circumstance is just so incredible to me that I can call on that, right? So I don't have to make that decision on my own. Yeah. And I I really like that ability, knowing that we can have that ability through this gift to judge things the way they're meant to be seen. Mm -hmm. Because I think so often we in our very like humanity, humanness, we get really caught up in the minute details of things. And what this gift allows is almost like a breath of fresh air to step back and see how this could all play out in the grand scheme of things, mm-hmm. right? And in in that way, even, it's like a consolation to be able to see that nothing is meaningless, nothing is, all things could be worked for God's good if done with his will at heart. So then you can go forward and to have wisdom is to be able to see a situation and not be 
paralyzed with indecision because you don't know the right thing to do. So when we talk about moving on here to understanding and knowledge, I kind of put these ones together and then I put these two together kind of with wisdom. I feel like all of them have similarities uh, just in regards to knowing stuff. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, That's my theological language. It's like knowing (laughs) stuff. (laughs) Right? And so the gift of understanding, basically, um, according to Catholic.com, it's penetrating insight into the very heart of things, especially those higher truths that are necessary for our eternal salvation. So, you know, whereas wisdom is seeing things from God's perspective, the bird's eye view, taking in the big picture, understanding is more like getting right, like what is the root cause here? Like what is actually going on? And I think that is an especially poignant gift to have today when there are so many confusing things happening. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So we always talk about that. There's been this language right over the last 20 years about my truth. I'm going to speak my truth. Well, Mm -hmm. there can't be how many people are in the world, Michelle. I don't even know billions. I don't know, but there can't be that many (laughs) truths. Right. And so what we're talking about here is the highest truth. And that's trying to see it through that. We do believe you and I stand by the fact that we both believe that there is an ultimate truth um, and how this world should be run. And so we, we want to see it through God's eyes again. And so mm-hmm. it is, but it is getting to the very heart of things. So it's, it's really seeking to understand. And there's a prayer that we can say within the church where it's like, I don't understand yet. So I'm asking you to help me understand. And I've said that so many times. You guys oh know my, my gosh, journey. We've too. talked about it before. Right. And when mm-hmm. I finally made the decision to submit to Christ, to become a Christian, I said all the time at the beginning and still now, okay, I don't exactly understand why the church says this. Um, so I want you to help me understand. And if any child comes to their parent and says that, can you imagine as a parent, like if my kid said, um, mom, I don't understand why you want us to go to bed early, but I'd like to understand. I'd be like bawling and being like, let's sit and talk about this. <laughs> This this childlike trust and wonder of saying to God, I don't quite get it, but I want to understand. He wants to help mm-hmm. us understand. Mm-hmm. That's right. And it, especially when it's going to help us, yeah. right? Like what parent, what father would not want to um, help clarify things so yeah. that you can not be distracted, so that you could focus better on what exactly it is you need to be doing. Like, don't become distracted by the periphery here. Mm-hmm. Under- the gift of understanding will help you see, see clear to the point and none of the superfluous stuff getting in the way. And what I think too is that when we start to train ourselves to detach from our own quote, truths and our own views on everything. And if we first seek to see God's view on it, it also helps us expand our views to how other people are feeling. When you practice that habit of seeking understanding. It doesn't just stop with God. God wants us to understand the views of our Christian brothers and sisters and our non-Christian brothers and sisters around the world. It's that it's that understanding that God wants what's best for all of us. So just trying to then, you know, the old cliche of walking in somebody else's shoes. It's just this caring within you, this desire to seek out and understand um, everything that's happening beyond yourself. Yeah. And and then this feeds really well into the gift of knowledge, right? So all of these um, knowing gifts. Uh, Knowledge makes it possible to then distinguish between good and evil and then to choose 
actions accordingly. So it's like the first step in making a prudent plan of action for the for the future in alignment with God's will. Now, when I was a kid, I always got knowledge and wisdom mixed up Mm -hmm. with one another. I always thought they were the same. I was like, why can't we just put a slash there? (laughs) Like wisdom slash knowledge. Um, But they are two separate gifts. And so I heard once it described like wisdom is the desire to judge and see things as God does, the view from the hilltop. Um, knowledge is the actual ability to do so or actually knowing the facts. Mm -hmm. So, you know, comparing to, if you'll sidestep with me for a moment to the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Oh yeah. It's similar to like goodness, Mm -hmm. which is willing the good versus kindness, which is doing the good. Mm -hmm. So yeah, wisdom versus knowledge. Wisdom is the desire. Knowledge is the actual facts. And so they, they are different, but both are really key and critical to have to garner this deeper understanding of what it is, who it is we are and what it is that we need to do. I think a good way of trying to understand it is I, I heard another priest explaining this in terms of temperance. So a non-Catholic or a non-Christian mm-hmm. who isn't pulling you know, the supernatural down to help them with this. If they're wanting to be more temperate, they can do so from natural reason, right? They're like, yeah, I shouldn't have 12 beers tonight, or I shouldn't eat that whole chocolate cake because it it is unreasonable. It doesn't make sense. Now, Mm -hmm. the supernatural level of this is then to also say, yes, I shouldn't eat this whole cake because it's not reasonable, but also because my attachment to said cake or to earthly pleasures or the beer or whatever the thing we need to be temperate about isn't going to help further my quest towards heaven. And so it's that next step beyond the natural reason that we all have within ourselves, because we have then this way to judge um, all matters that are faith, but also action in our lives. Yeah. And so, you know, combining these three knowing gifts, kind of like half of that, like I would say it's like knowing point five is like counsel, (laughs) (laughs) right? It's like when in my head, because I have to plan these lessons, I have them in an order that I teach because it flows really well one to the other. And I put counsel right at the end of all these, because I feel like counsel does a really good job of bridging the wisdom, knowledge, and understanding to the rest of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And we talked a little bit about the gifts of counsel a couple of weeks ago on our episode on intuition right yeah yeah um but just to recap in case you missed it or you forget um counsel is the gift that enables a person to judge quickly correctly and intuitively so it's different from being able to reflect and think things through beforehand like knowledge coming up with a plan based on facts for example Yeah, it's just this, I instantly know what to do in Mm -hmm. this situation kind of a thing. And it Mm -hmm. made me think about the passage in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10, where um, it says, you know, but when they hand you over, do not worry about how to respond or what to say. In that hour, it will be given to you what you are to say. Mm -hmm. And to me, that is the direct quote for counsel, because it's just in the moment, you'll just know, you'll just have this sense. So when I think about counsel, sometimes I think like, that's great. That takes a lot of trust, like that it's going to be given to you in that moment. Yeah. But I also think that you can actually develop the gift of counsel too, like a muscle. Uh, And what it really comes down to, I think, is how your soul is ordered. So is it ordered towards God ultimately? I think you always have to at least desire to do God's will. 
um, or desire to desire to do God's will. Yes. Another Catholic <laughs> prayer. I desire to right. have the desire. Yes. <laughs> the church is awesome because it acknowledges that sometimes we just can't even. Yeah, right? we can't. Yeah. So like... <laughs> Which saint said I literally can't even? It's got to be one of the saints. You. <laughs> That's when you're canonized. <laughs> Jump in oh the gun. Gosh. Yeah. All right. Perfect. <laughs> so, yeah, you always have to at least desire to desire to do God's will. And the gift of counsel will see God's will done in any given moment. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we'll always make mistakes because we are human. But I really believe that if your desire is sincere and your practice is consistent, then you'll be able to see more and more an automatic response to God's will overall in a lot of situations. And then the other thing I mentioned, trust in the Holy Spirit. It's to trust that he will guide you in moments that you have no time to discern. Like, this is not a test. It's a gift. So you can ask for help in the assembly of the gift, right? God's not going to be like, oh, well, you failed counsel. <laughs> trust that he, in his goodness, will lead you when you need to be led. Yeah, Michelle, you're really making me want to re-listen to our episode on intuition because I think we just summed up in what you were saying. Everything we were trying to say and studying. Remember how much time we spent studying our episode on intuition? I think counsel would have just summed it all up. Um, That's right. You're, you're right. Father Ripperger, who we both really, really look to a lot when we're looking for somebody to explain all the things to us. All the things. He said that God is the motive cause, meaning that God moves us. But like you were saying, there's a lot of times where it's imperceptible that we don't even realize that God is moving us. And when we just trust that feeling, our intuition it is God. It's always God. But you're right. You have to have cleared the cobwebs out of that, mm -hmm. that, that passageway <laughs> of communication between um, yourself and God, but that he is always there. And that the more we seek to have wisdom, understanding and knowledge that that understanding of his counsel is just so much more clear to us. Mm hmm. Yeah. And so once you know what to do, now you have to do it. Mm -hmm. And this is where the gift of fortitude comes in. <laughs> mm -hmm. I love the gift of fortitude, mostly because we just recently finished watching the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And I feel like the Lord of the Rings is just a case study in fortitude. Yeah. Also counsel, but fortitude. Um, so the gift of fortitude gives a person a special strength of the will. It gives a person extraordinary readiness to undergo trials for the love of God. Uh, it gives unusual courage to bear difficulties, even for really long periods of time. It gives firmness in carrying out arduous tasks to their completion, and it enables in soul, a soul to live out other gifts and virtues heroically. So um, I did mention the Lord of the Rings, and in particular, I have in my notes, I show to the class a clip from uh, The Return of the King. That's the third in the series. And it's during the Battle of Gondor and the armies of Mordor, you know, it, they appear to be wearing down the kingdom's defenses and all seems lost. But then the army of Rohan shows up to open up a second front. And oh, you know what? Honestly, Lindsay, the scene is just so glorious. <laughs> I could talk about it for ages and ages, but I'll sum it up. Uh, we talked about courage in last week's episode. And what I like about this clip is that you can see the fear in the faces of the arriving soldiers when they see how seemingly insurmountable this all is. And then they charge anyways. And it's the perfect clip for this gift. In fact, one of the quotes from that scene um, is, 
Aon, who is the, um, she's basically, she's like the ward of the king who snuck in because she wants to fight. And she whispers to one of the hobbits riding with her, you know, courage, Mary, courage for our friends. And that just sums it up. They were terrified. I'm sure the knee-jerk reaction always in these situations is to just turn and run. But to stand your ground and march forward anyways because someone else is hanging in the balance or because it's the right thing to do, like that is fortitude. That is strength and courage. And again, I want to point out, like you were saying, though, it isn't doing good over evil. We can dig our heels in and think that we're being strong and fighting for a cause, Mm. but we have to make sure that that cause always is good, right? The church will never stand by doing anything evil to end up somewhere good. I forget the language they use for that, but there's no justification ever for that. And I love- justifies the means, right? That's right. We don't say that. And and so the other thing with fortitude that really strikes me is, and I've listened to a lot of homilies lately during the quarantine, right? A lot of priests speaking Mm -hmm. out about that. And so many of them have said that a lot of our fears about COVID are because we fear death. And that, right, this thing with fortitude means that you're ready to stand firm, even in the face of death, because we have our eyes set on the everlasting life, on the eternal life. And so it's, it's that kind of courage where you're not fearing even death because you know what awaits you afterwards. And it's just being firm and focusing on what is good and true and holy, even at the most dangerous moments. Mm Mm-hmm. And you, you gain that focus and perspective through, you know, praying and frequenting the sacraments, keeping your eye on the prize, so to speak, yeah. which is heaven, right? But um, also practicing. Also, so, oh, I was just going to say, yes. Were you? Yes. Oh. So we were going to yes. say, yeah, like it is a muscle more than mm-hmm. I think a, even a lot of these other ones is learning how and when to speak. And, and then, so we've talked, that was last week's episode was about being bold, like we were just saying. And so we do fully believe that this is something that can be practiced and learned and that you can work towards. You might just not be ready to jump into battle um, right off the bat, but (laughs) some people have been forced into that without any preparation. Mm -hmm. So if you have the chance to develop within yourself, the cardinal virtue of fortitude before you're thrust onto the front lines of a, of a huge battle, then you might want to practice that ahead of time. Right. You know, all these things, it's the paradox of God's gifts to us, right? That when we uh, do anything for him, um, sacrifice for other people, it it always comes back to us in some ways. Mm -hmm. And so we look at practicing these gifts for greater goods beyond ourselves. But I really think that, you know, when this kind of all ties into what we talk about here on the podcast, like even with homemaking and defense of the home and all these things, like if we genuinely give of ourselves in this interior way, it's going to come back onto our families and our homes and our communities and the world in a much more powerful way than we could ever dream up ourselves. Okay, so this is kind of my favorite gift of the Holy Spirit to talk about because I feel like it's the least actually factually known. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that is the gift of piety. Like when we say the word pious, I think the image that conjures in our minds is uh, very actually 
it, it is what piety is, but we're often far off the mark in our understanding of this gift. We'll just say. Is the image so of actually, a little old lady? Because that's what I always picture. Yes. Little old frail <laughs> yes. lady, right? It was just like on her knees all day. Mm-hmm. And we're always like, like, what is that? Oh, and then, she's so pious. Right. Oh, look that's at her. Right. right. And but, she is pious. Mm-hmm. And she is pious, but not in the way that everyone thinks. It's not a patronizing gift. That's right. And so it, it's interesting to note first and foremost that piety is in kind of like a subcategory under justice. Mm. It's actually a form of justice. Yeah. And that there's two two factors behind it too. So on the one hand, it's a virtue that gives honor to those in authority above us. So out of justice, you give to someone what is owed to them. Yeah. And then piety also goes the opposite way too. And this part I, I never knew about until I started teaching about these gifts. It actually corresponds to care for those who are beneath us, mm-hmm. that we have authority over out of justice mm-hmm. to ensure that they have what they need to live the life that God intended for them to lead. And so authority is there for the sake of the people under our care. And this can go anywhere from like older siblings towards their younger siblings, parents to their children, governments to their people, prelates to their parishes. Like uh, um, that's what piety is. I think also piety is the one we can kind of screw up the most because I think especially, I mean, I've seen this in the traditional movement a lot where we can be outward, um, outwardly pious um, Mm. and inwardly, Mm. right? We could be totally different. I think it's one of those things that you really, really have to work towards uniting your interior and exterior um, life, right? It's just, they don't always line up when it comes to piety either way. And so like you're saying, in true justice to God, our interior and our exterior um, pious life does need to be really examined and think, am I fulfilling that justice in the right way, both in my outward acts and my, and in what's within my heart. And, um, this is something that we've really struggled with, with the mass over the years. And if we're showing proper worship and reverence due Mm -hmm. to God, and it's a discussion I want us to continue to have within ourselves to think, am I doing that justice? Like I'm saying interior and exteriorly, but also as a church and as a community, I was listening to a homily the other day from 2017 and in it, the priest said, and he didn't mince any words. He said, if we are not showing proper due reverence to God, he will remove the mass from us. He's done it before and he will do it again. He will take the mass from us. And I mean, back in 2017, I listened to that back then and I probably mm-hmm. thought, oh, how would that even happen? Uh, it's happened. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's a lot of different reasons why we don't have the mass right now. It's not just that. And this is a huge discussion to have, but I think that we really should step back and ask ourselves individually and within our faith communities, are we showing due justice and reverence to God? Well, yeah, I love that you brought that up because going to mass is an act of piety towards God. It's a show mm-hmm. of justice towards him. And we we do sometimes fall into the temptation of thinking, well, I'm not getting anything out of this. Right. Yeah. Right. So I, why me, should me, I go? Me. Yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> right. When I say we, that's like the royal we, like yes. all of us. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And 
and, and I'm quick to remind the, the kids that I'm teaching and also myself, like, that's not what mass is. It's not about what we are getting out of it. Mm-hmm. This is an act. Uh, this is about giving God what he is due because we owe him everything. That's He's right. given us everything. And so out of justice, he is owed all the glory and honor and praise. And mass is the highest form of worship. And so that's why we go to mass. Right. And I just watch the kids' faces when they hear it, whether or not they internalize it or they hold, hang on to that, I, I don't know. Um, but I can see in this moment that connection. And it's the same reaction I had when I first learned about piety and the relationship between that and going to Mass. And I'm like, wow, that is so important for us to to learn what piety is and to understand it because I think it it gives right order to our interior lives and to you know, our societies. Okay, and so finally we come to the last gift of the Holy Spirit, which is um, the probably the most misunderstood gift, yeah, right, based on the language, and that is fear of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So, right off the bat, we have to distinguish what fear means in this context, yeah. and we have to determine distinguish between servile fear and filial fear. Mm-hmm. So, servile fear is servant and master. Uh, filial is child and father. It's the fear of not wanting to ruin a relationship. It's not wanting to be separated from them or disappoint them. Um, and so when we talk about fear of the Lord, it's, it's enabling a person to have a profound respect for the majesty of God. And it helps us to realize our dependency on him and to grow in the desire of never wanting to be separated from him who is love. So this is really a gift that gives us a great sense of adoration and reverence for God and a sense of horror and sorrow over sin, which mm-hmm. separates us from him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. When it's filial, like you were saying, where is father and child, we we know it's the proper fear when it, it corrects and it, it forces us to correct our behavior. Right. And in the right way and not just out of that fear of hell, like you were saying, we should be scared of hell, obviously. But I mean, everybody's been so scared to talk about that because I can't tell you how many people have told me over the years that they left the church because they were just done of hearing about that fire and brimstone. They were just done with hearing about that. And I'm like, give it all to me. Having come into the church later in life after a year, a lifetime of Mm. sin, I'm like, give me all the fire and brimstone. Please rain down that on me. I want to give just it's back to giving duty and it is my duty to give justice to the Lord, the creator of all the universe. Right. And so mm-hmm. I want to tremble with that fear. That's talk. That's the language of the Bible. It's the language of the saints trembling with fear and love and adoration. Those things can all work together. And, right. and again, every time though, that, that fear is met with the words, be not afraid every time in the Bible. Mm-hmm. So it's like, we should, that should be our natural response out of, again, duty and justice. But every single time, whether it's Jesus or the angels, they remind us that we don't actually have to be afraid because he loves us. But that that gift of our fear is a reminder to ourselves of our place in this universe and God's place as the all-powerful, all-knowing God. Mm-hmm. And it prevents us from taking all of that love and goodness for granted mm-hmm. too, right? It, it maintains in us a healthy sense of awe over it all. That's correct. Yeah. Pope Leo XIII wrote a lot. He actually wrote an entire encyclical on the gifts of the Holy Spirit that I have yet to read. But he says that the church has always attributed these um, these things, breaking down kind of the creative 
power to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit within the Trinity. They, the church has attributed power to the Father, God the Father, right? The creator, mm-hmm. wisdom to Jesus Christ, his Son, and love to the Holy Ghost. But because these things are united and indivisible and inseparable as the three divine persons of the Holy Trinity, um, these things all have to work together, power, wisdom, and love. But the thing I really, really took from this, and the thing I talk about is that if Jesus Christ is the head of the church, which is what we talk about, the holy soul then is the love, right? And mm. this is just like in our domestic churches, we can really call on the Holy Ghost in that maternal sense of love and as the soul and heart of our homes and therefore our communities and in our country. And I think that as Catholics, and I mean, other denominations have done a much better job of like leaning on the Holy Ghost or calling, you know, the spirit upon them. Mm. I feel like it's something that's new to our language within the Catholic church. But if the Holy Ghost is that ruah, that that breath between the Father and the Son that comes out as that love, then there's nothing that should be holding us back from calling the Holy Ghost to to give us these gifts over and over and over again, and then help us to understand how to use them. for our What We're Loving This Week segment of the show. So Lindsay, what have you been loving this week? I watched a movie last night that I told you I was going to watch (laughs) called Soylent Green. And wow. So this movie starring Charlton Heston came out in 1973. And it is described as a, quote, American dystopian thriller film. So get this, Michelle. It is set in New York City in the year 2022. And it shows Mm. an overpopulated city that has suffered greatly due to greenhouse gases that have caused global warming. I'm dead serious. And again, guys, this is from the early 70s. And everyone is wearing face masks and the oceans have been destroyed and the fresh food is hard to find. And people have become objectified. Researchers being called books, women that belong to rich men being called furniture. And everyone is living off these meal replacements that are either Soylent Red, and Soylent comes from soy and lentil, um, Soylent Red, Soylent Yellow, or the most popular one, Soylent Green. This Mm -hmm. movie also has within it the most powerful and moving and disturbing scene I've ever seen that shows euthanasia. And it's what's most talked about in this film. It just hits on all of these pressure points that are, we are experiencing right now. And I just really, really think everybody should watch it. Yeah, there's some cheesy 1970s stuff in it. I love all of that. Um, but it's just, it's a must watch. And so we rented it on iTunes, but it can also be rented on YouTube and Google Play. And I just, I, I want to know if any of you watch it, message me. Let's talk Soylent Green. Okay. So you said 2022 this movie takes place (laughs) so we have two years okay we seem to be on a (laughs) on a fast track towards a soil and green future so i should watch it just you know to you know prepare prepare myself and wait till you see the church in it the church is represented as it always is even in the most this is what strikes me right as catholics even in the most broken down or atheist or any of these messages the church always pops up and i think you're going to be really moved by what you see in the church as well so yeah you've got to watch it please soon michelle so we can talk about it okay all right i'm on it okay (laughs) we'll do it what have you been loving this week so I'm going to take a bit of a turn. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, I have been really loving reading Little Men by Louisa Aww. May Alcott. <laughs> yes. 
I'm about halfway finished reading, and um, I know usually we try not to recommend things until we've completed them, just mm-hmm. in case there's any um, like unsavory surprises, Which has happened, yep. Which has happened, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I feel like we're safe here with Louisa May Alcott. So <laughs> Listen, if I'm you're not safe with out. Louisa May Alcott, I don't know who you'd be safe with. <laughs> That's right. And for people who have read Little Men and finished it, <laughs> if there is anything, they're just thinking, oh, you just wait, girl. Anyways. <laughs> okay, sorry. So anyways, for those who may not be familiar, Louisa May Alcott is most famous for her book, Little Women, a story that I've always loved. I've adored it since I was a kid, but I never continued on to the rest of the series, the other two books, uh, until now uh, reading the sequel, Little Men. And this book continues uh, protagonist Joe March's story after she marries, oh, sorry, spoiler alert. I don't know how long we have to wait before we can't give spoiler alerts, but after she marries Professor Bear, mm-hmm. and they move to the great estate of Plumfield, and there they start a school for boys. But this school is unlike any other of its kind, and both Joe and her husband really strive to teach these boys holistically. There's this amazing balance of like study and responsibility and play, and they really just embrace and enjoy their childhood, like their their boyness, which I just love to read about. How Joe parents these boys is basically my own parenting goals. Uh, although I did concede to you, Lindsay, remember the other day that I do realize she has a cook right. and her husband is the full-time teacher and they do have groundskeepers and teenage boys all helping <laughs> with the landscaping. While we, especially right now mm-hmm. in quarantine, are trying to do all the things That's right. on our own. So we'll just have to embrace the fiction as a beautiful dream mm-hmm. of sorts. <laughs> I'm with now. you. And so the whole book are just these little anecdotes and stories of life at Plumfield. Uh, and I just find the writing and the tone really peaceful. It's so gentle, but it's interesting from a mother's perspective. And it's been the perfect comfort read for this past week. Okay, that's going to do it for us this week. If you want to get in touch and chat with us about our topic today, you can find us on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com or leave us a comment on Facebook or Instagram at The Modern Lady Podcast. I'm Michelle Sachs and you can find me on Instagram at mmsachs. And I'm Lindsay Murray and you can find me on Instagram at lindsayhomemaker. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week and we will see you next time. Thank you.